my dad works in B2B marketing, but I never really knew what that meant. Then one day, my dad came by my school for career day and told everyone in my class he was a big MQL man. Then he just kept saying things like, the more MQLs, the better, over and over. My friends still laugh at me to this day. I think it means marketing qualified lead. One thing's for sure. I'll be known as the MQL man's kid for the rest of my days. Why couldn't you just be a fireman or a lawyer? Why? You ruined my life, Dad. Not everyone gets B2B, but LinkedIn has the people who do. And with ads on LinkedIn, you'll be able to reach people based on job title, industry, likelihood to buy, and more. Start converting your B2B audience into high-quality leads today. We'll even give you $100 credit on your next ad campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash customer to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash customer. Terms and conditions apply. LinkedIn, the place to be, to be. Take your business further with the smart and flexible American Express Business Gold Card. It offers flexible spending capacity that adapts to your business. You can also earn up to $395 in annual statement credits on eligible purchases at select business merchants. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash businessgoldcard. This podcast is sponsored by Cloud Optimizer. As a business owner or IT manager, are your cloud investment costs going up and you don't know why? It's time for Cloud Optimizer. As you migrate your business to the cloud, what you're spending and why you're spending it can get a little hazy. But Cloud Optimizer clears up the mystery and puts the cloud to work for you. Cloud Optimizer starts by analyzing usage patterns, right-sizing resources, leveraging discounts you may not be aware of, implementing automation, and much more. And by reducing unnecessary expenses and maximizing performance, Cloud Optimizer guarantees you a savings of five times what you spend for their service. As you utilize cloud-based services more and more, you don't have to lose sight or control of your spend. You can stay agile, streamline your costs, and optimize your performance, plus save significant money with Cloud Optimizer. Make the cloud work for you with Cloud Optimizer. Get a free assessment and find out how much you can save by going to cloudoptimizer.com. Go to cloudoptimizer.com for your free assessment. That's cloudoptimizer.com. It's brand new season two. I'm Marissa Thalberg. And I'm Stephen Wolf Bededa. And we're excited to be back having bigger, bolder, and always real conversations. Straight from the C-suite front lines of marketing, media, and more. We have great friends joining from people you may know, like Wilmer Valderrama and Bobby Burke. And people you'll want to know. So grab a coffee or, hey, even an Aperol Spritz and come join us on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Listen to brand new on the iHeart Radio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi there, I'm Bob Pittman, Chairman and CEO of iHeartMedia. I'm excited to announce a new season of my podcast, Math & Magic, Stories from the Frontiers of Marketing. Our guests this season show us big risk can yield big rewards, like Rob Riley, the creative head of one of the world's leading advertising firms. I try to create environments where anybody can say anything without any judgment. Listen to a brand new season of Math & Magic on our very own iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast or wherever you get your podcast. I'm Will Lucas, and this podcast, if you haven't heard, has been nominated for an NAACP Image Award, and I need your help. The NAACP has recently opened up the opportunity for the public, that means you, to weigh in and vote on this category. Head over to vote.naacpimageawards.net, scroll to the Outstanding News and Information Podcast category, and vote for Black Tech Green Money. 
It's not often that we see a podcast for us, by us, which highlights the stories of black innovators, technologists, venture capitalists, and angel investors, scientists, and engineers with this biggest spotlight. So I'm asking for you to take a moment of your day and vote for us. Do it now. I'm Will Lucas, and this is Black Tech Green Money. Afrotech 2022, Austin, Texas. Frederick Hudson, co-founder and CEO at Pigeonly, is on the main stage talking with Blavity co-founder and COO Jeff Nelson. Pigeonly is a simple, affordable way to stay in touch with loved ones who are behind bars nationwide. Let's listen in on a conversation that spins topics like Frederick's own personal story, starting a tech company as a felon, raising his first million, and starting unsexy but lucrative companies. Y'all can be a little louder than that. Come on, where's the energy? Frederick, you doing all right, man? Good, I'm good, I'm good. It's it's an honor to share this stage with you. Um, And so we got a lot to dive into, and Will kind of told you all a bit about what Pigeon Lee is, if you did know, but as he alluded to, there's more than we know about ways to stay in contact with our incarcerated loved ones. So can you tell us, in your words, what is Pigeon Lee, and why is the work you do necessary? Sure. So in a sentence, what Pigeon Lee is is a platform that allows people to search, find, and connect with their incarcerated loved one. And they can do so with our products that fit into three main categories. The first is a telephone service, which lowers the cost of expensive prison phone calls. This is something that you see in the news and media a lot with the predatory nature of prison phone calls. Um, and then we have financial services, which allows people to easily put money or funds on you know, a loved one's commissary account, a phone account. And then finally, we have postal mail services. So this is the ability to be able to send things like greeting cards, letters, photos, et cetera, um, directly from your cell phone, tablet, computer in an institution-approved process that allows them to receive that mail. Um, and then most recently, over the past couple years, giving institutions the tools to be able to validate the mail that they're getting to make sure it doesn't have contraband, they don't have to be overly restrictive, um, which is also a big problem. So that's important work. And many people don't know that that is a huge problem in an area of opportunity. Uh, but, but you found it and tapped into it. And you've spoken before about how you were incarcerated yeah. nearly five years. Yeah. Long time, right? <laughs> yeah. Uh, I want to dig into that a little bit. So uh, first, can you talk about what led, to what led to your incarceration? Yeah, so when I was, uh, I went, what, 2000, damn, it's been so long, 23, I was indicted for distribution of marijuana. So end up serving um, close to five years in federal prison for distribution of marijuana. The one thing, you know, when I think about it now is I was way too early because if you live in a city like mine, you know, there's dispensaries on every corner, like 7-Eleven. What, what, right? city, what city is that? <laughs> live in Las Vegas. Okay, Vegas, okay. <laughs> so, you were, you were yeah. ahead of the... You, yeah, I was, way, I was way too right? early, way ahead of my time, right? But that's, back then it was still illegal, still very illegal. Yeah. Um, and could I, I, yeah. I really just want to jump in there because yeah. you're hitting on a good point. Um, you, you were incarcerated for marijuana distribution, right? Do you have any frustration now that that there are industries? um, You know, I think where I see the frustration is is that the policy. So a lot of my work now goes into policy. So matter of fact, um, just a few weeks ago, I had a meeting with the White House. And what we were talking about was um, policy changes to allow felons to be able to participate in the marijuana industry. Because 
what, what's ended up happening is that they legalize it and then all the people that's been marginalized by that same law right. don't have the opportunity to participate in the industry, right? Yeah. So um, that's some of the things that I always, every opportunity I get to talk about um, to bring that up because it doesn't make any sense, right? right? And so the most frustrating thing I see is that, you know, you see white America profiting from the same thing that black America was sent to prison for. Yeah. And that's just another echoes, you know, a lot of things about, you know, that's how our country has been set up and run systematically. But I do think that change is coming. Um, there's a lot of, there's a lot more conversations that's going on about that. Um, and so I'm hopeful that, you know, that we would be able to participate, at least particularly the people who's been, you know, incarcerated for it or, or you know, in their communities, um, be able to participate in the upside of the industry as well. You know, that, that's, it's fascinating. Um, your story is fascinating, but it's also inspiring. And I hope everybody here draws that inspiration to be incarcerated in, and, and I say lose, right, lose, you know, nearly five years of your life, yeah. but now to be in a position where you are the CEO of a company in Pigeon Lee that has this impact, and you're at the White House meeting with the administration talking about policy change. You were incarcerated, and, and the question I have is, you know, do you regret that experience, or do you view it as sort of like this necessary uh, launch pad to the work that you're doing now that is so impactful? Nah, I don't, I mean, I think, again, if, if, if I regret anything, it's just my timing. Yeah. I, was, <laughs> I was a little yeah. too soon. Yeah. But no, for the most part, I'm a firm believer in the journey, right? And, I, and I'm, I'm a firm believer in the journey and whatever bumps, whatever, whatever that journey looks like as a result of decisions you make that are, are the right decisions you make or the wrong decisions you make. Whatever that journey is, I think it really shapes who you are and it shapes your perspective and it shapes, you know, what you do and how you do it. Um, so I'm less, I'm less worried about, you know, what's behind me and I'm more focused about all of that made up and gives me a very unique perspective and a unique opportunity to be in rooms that I may not have been in had I not went through that. So, exactly. Yeah, definitely no regrets there. So, so you started Pigeon Lee um, after being incarcerated. Can you talk about the moment, if you remember it, when, when the idea really sat with you and, and, and you felt that conviction that this is a needed solution to this problem, I'm the person to do it, and I'm going to do it. So I think it, it, that moment really was when I was thinking about what I was going to do after, right? So once you, when you first get there, you're like, you're trying to, it's all settling in. You're like, okay, you know, I'm going to do this time, not let time do me or whatever, right, you know, all that. Right. And then you, you kind of start thinking about what's next, right? And then part of that conversation about what's next is the last thing I want to do is have to rely on somebody else to give me an opportunity. So I knew I was going to create my own. Now, at the time, it wasn't super clear what that would look like, but I just knew I was going to create my own opportunity, whatever that may be. Um, and then I just started looking around me and just seeing what problems existed. And, you know, that was just a glaring problem that was in my face. I just started noticing that the people who didn't have the financial means and the ability to stay in touch with their loved ones, those are the people that I would see come back. And the people who did, the people I didn't see come back, right? So it wasn't until I got out that I realized that my general observation was backed by, you know, 40-something years of research that clearly shows that communication and education are two most important factors that impact recidivism. See, so, see you just dropped the real gem. Yeah. And, and I want to make sure everybody heard that and understood it. What you said was, when you were thinking about what happens next, you said you knew you were going to create your own, yeah. right? You knew that for you, you needed to be a founder. You needed to create something. Right. And then you looked around your environment and you saw a problem, right? right? You came up with a solution. And then you went and saw that, well, other people have noticed this problem, but I've got this unique pers perspective. Right. That's very important for everybody to know, for all our aspiring entrepreneurs. Um, if you have that conviction that 
you want to you want to start something, you want to be a founder, look around you and see what the problems are. Right. Right. And think about how you can solve those things. That that's super important. And and I wonder where that conviction of like, hey, I want to, I, I need to start something. I want to be a founder. Where where does that come from, right? Because Pigeon Lee wasn't your first business that you started, right? So what were some of your earlier entrepreneurial pursuits and, and how did those go? What did you learn from those? You know, highs, lows, successes, failures, et cetera. Yeah, I mean, so my first, first business, I would say, um, you know, I was a kid in high school and um, I noticed my neighborhood would have like dirty windows and these odd jobs and I would see other kids doing the work, right? So. I quickly learned that, hey, you're already doing this. What if I could find other people you could do this for and we split the money, you could do it. Mm, and I'll find, okay. I'll find you a customer and we can split the money. You're already doing it, you already got the lawnmowers, you're already cleaning the windows, you're already doing all this. And that's just how it started. So that was very early. I think I was you know, maybe 15 or 14 at the time, or something like that. And it was just, again, just seeing something and saying, hey, you wanna do more of this. Um, you know, and I can find other people that want this and you can do it and then, you know, we can split the money. So that was the first one. Then it elevated from there. So other things I've done is I've had window tanning shops and um, uh, cell phone stores and things like that. And that was back when, you know, you had single wireless. Right, right, right. Things like that. And again, these are just things that had, I just come across and, you know, was exposed to and said, okay, this, this might can make sense. This might can work. Um, but it wasn't until, you know, I started to get into what I do now that I started really understanding like logistics and, mm hiring and managing multiple people in different areas and, and you, know, you know, product supply chains and things like that, then it got a lot more sophisticated. But you know, the concepts are the same, right? right. So you know, the product might be different, um, the, the landscape might be different, but it's the same principles regardless of what business you're in. You know, as a CEO, you, you have to, it, it's a weird position to be in, right? Because you, you sort of have to be able to to know about all parts of the business, but you're yeah. not the best person no. uh, at all parts of the business, right? And, and some people would say you shouldn't be the best uh, person for most of the business, right? You should hire people who are better than you. Uh, I am curious for you, what are the aspects of your job that are like necessary evils? It's like, ah, you know, this isn't, this isn't the aspect that I love, but it's necessary. But, and then what are the parts of it that you do enjoy and that you do look forward to? So I'll start with what I enjoy. I, I enjoy product. So I like to, I spend a lot of time with the product team, you know, um, in either outlining and designing and figuring out how the product is supposed to work, making sure that it's working and meeting, you know, my customers' needs. Um, I spend a lot of time on that. The necessary evil for me is dealing with people. I'm mm. not like, Are you the, bigger, the bigger you get, the more yeah. complicated it gets as far as teams and employees. And it's just, you just have a lot of stuff, right, right. when it comes, right. that comes with that. And, and, you know, it just gets, you know, you have to, in the beginning when you have a small team, you don't have to spend that much time managing people. Right. But then as you grow, you spend a significant amount of time managing people. Um, and then, you know, you're dealing with somebody's issues at home and you're dealing with, you know, uh, it just, it's just all random things that, that, that doesn't really have anything to do with what you guys are there to do. But it's part of what you have to do and deal with, right? So, you know, you become people counselors, you become people sounding boards and, that's just part of it, you know what I'm saying, as, yeah. as you know, you just get, you know, those types of, <laughs> those types of conversations. Take your business further with the smart and flexible American Express Business Gold Card. It's packed with benefits to help unlock more value from your business purchases. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash businessgoldcard. My dad works in B2B marketing, but I never really knew what that meant. Then one day, my dad came by my school for career day and told everyone in my class he was a big MQL man. 
Then he just kept saying things like, the more MQLs, the better, over and over. My friends still laugh at me to this day. I think it means marketing qualified lead. One thing's for sure. I'll be known as the MQL man's kid for the rest of my days. Why couldn't you just be a fireman or a lawyer? Why? You ruined my life, Dad. Not everyone gets B2B, but LinkedIn has the people who do. And with ads on LinkedIn, you'll be able to reach people based on job title, industry, likelihood to buy, and more. Start converting your B2B audience into high-quality leads today. We'll even give you $100 credit on your next ad campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash customer to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash customer. Terms and conditions apply. LinkedIn, the place to be, to be. AT&T connects and ode to podcasts. Connect the alarm. Change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze. Ten more minutes to dream. Connect the shower. Lather up with the news, sports talk, comedians, or movie reviews. Connect with that three-hour philosophy show. Change the drive into work in traffic so slow. Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of spoken audio. Connect the stories, change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT&T. This podcast is sponsored by Cloud Optimizer. As a business owner or IT manager, are your cloud investment costs going up and you don't know why? It's time for Cloud Optimizer. As you migrate your business to the cloud, what you're spending and why you're spending it can get a little hazy. But Cloud Optimizer clears up the mystery and puts the cloud to work for you. Cloud Optimizer starts by analyzing usage patterns, right-sizing resources, leveraging discounts you may not be aware of, implementing automation, and much more. And by reducing unnecessary expenses and maximizing performance, Cloud Optimizer guarantees you a savings of five times what you spend for their service. As you utilize cloud-based services more and more, you don't have to lose sight or control of your spend. You can stay agile, streamline your costs, and optimize your performance, plus save significant money with Cloud Optimizer. Make the cloud work for you with Cloud Optimizer. Get a free assessment and find out how much you can save by going to cloudoptimizer.com. Go to cloudoptimizer.com for your free assessment. That's cloudoptimizer.com. Delve into the visceral world of hip-hop with the Gangster Chronicles, a podcast that aims to unravel the intricate tapestry of one of music's most influential and misunderstood subgenres, gangster rap. Hosted by MC8 and Big Steels every Thursday, each episode provides an in-depth exploration into the formative artists, monumental albums, and socio-political factors that have shaped gangster rap from its emergence in the 80s to its enduring impact today. Gangster Chronicles unpacks the evolution of this uniquely American art form. We dive into the socio-cultural aspects that gangster rap boldly addressed, from police brutality to systemic racism, offering listeners a comprehensive understanding of the profound cultural significance this genre holds. Listen to the Gangster Chronicles on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Let's go. That's facts, right? So, uh, again, founders, right? Listen to this. When you are early on, right, you want to be close to the product. Right. Usually the product is your vision, it's your passion. But then once that thing turns into a real company, you get real company problems, yeah. right? And even when you, you hire uh, staff and operational teams to deal with that, you still have to be able to, to sort of lean in and support your people yeah. um, and, and be the face of the company and do everything that comes along with that. So right. that's, that's important to remember, uh, but it's a good problem to have, right, I, right. I suppose. Um, so, so to be someone who didn't have any formal business training, right? You've talked a little bit about how you 
now with Pigeon Leap, you've sort of learned this stuff, right? Some mm -hmm. of the operational things, some of the, some of the logistical things, but how did you do it, right? Are there practical ways or specific things that you did to immerse yourself in running a business, being a CEO, and making it successful? So I, I, mean, I think one of the traits of, of every entrepreneur is that you just have to learn extremely fast. Um, you have to pay attention and be able to seek out um, information and, and, and have an acute awareness of what you don't know. That's really important to really know and understand what you don't know so that you can at least try to seek it out. And it's been my experiences um, that, you know, when, when I'm comfortable saying when I don't know something, I can usually find that information or that information comes to me, right? Because I'm actually open to it. I'm actively looking for it. Um, and so, you know, I learned from a lot of mentors and people that I meet along the way, along the journey. I learned from my peers, other founders that are running companies alongside of me. They may say something, hey, this is how we dealt with this employee situation. This is how we dealt with this sales problem. Um, so you learn a lot from your peers. Um, and I think the biggest thing is to really just be comfortable and open about talking about whatever you're dealing with. Because the founder path is, it can be a very lonely and isolated path because most people are not doing what you're doing at your level. So you have to be able to identify the other founders that are also building companies that you can share information with. And a lot of my support comes from you know, my fellow founders and you know, other entrepreneurs that I've known along my journey. Right. Yeah, it's a, it's a community uh, of people who are, who are kind of going through the same yeah, thing, right? And sure. trying to figure it out in real time. Yeah. Um, and for you, you talked about earlier, you talked about how being formerly incarcerated is in some ways kind of superpower, mm -hmm. specifically for this, this work here. Do you find that there's still stigma that you have to combat uh, because, of, because of you were formerly incarcerated uh, and being an entrepreneur or just trying to sort of navigate and, and shift the world closer to your ultimate vision of what you want to see? I mean, I, I mean yeah, I mean, it, it happens. I mean, does it matter? No, but it definitely happens, right? So you definitely come across, you know, I, I remember so when, we was first, when, I, when I raised my first million, um, this was back in 2013. And, you know, I was presenting this, I forget who I was investing friends to, and, and he said, he's like, I just can't get past the fact that you're a felon, and, you know, it was just not my thing, right? So you have to, you, you deal with that, and you have to be okay with that. And one, one of the things that, at least for me, is that I'm trying to get to somebody who's going to say no as quickly as possible, because I don't want to waste yeah. more time on him than I need to. Um, so, you know, that's how I handle that. But I think, in general, um, you have to just own your experience. You have to own your story, right? So you can't really... You know, I never took the approach of trying to not really talk about or not being open about my experience because I always said, you know, I'm going to take every advantage that I have and I'm going to make use of it. And one of my bad advantages are that I have personal lived experience, right? right? So that makes me one of the best people to address what I'm addressing. Um, so in that regard, you know, I, I leverage that all the way. So, you know, I haven't really let that impact anything that I've done or come away. That, that's so real. Um, and, I, and I often talk to aspiring founders who, when they pitch themselves and, the, and they try to pitch their, their history and what they're doing, they want this perfect story, nah. right? Yeah. And one, beside that, you know, that being boring, yeah. um, two, there's no passion there, right? People can get behind things where you have some sort of personal connection. So uh, whether it's failure, own that. Whether it's uh, a mistake you made, own that. Own your journey yeah. and, and sort of commit to that and be authentic and, and leverage that to then say, well, how can I use that for the greater good? How can I use that to push the world forward? Um, how can I use that to make a positive change? Right. Uh, so, so I'm glad you shared that. And you mentioned fundraising. In uh, and, and, and addition to, in 2013, raising around, you know, going out and, and raising a round of funding, you've done some of the top incubators and accelerators, including Y Combinator. Uh, show of hands, anybody in the audience ever apply to Y Combinator? 
All right, I see a couple hands up. Uh, you know, Y Combinator is like the, the, the cream of the crop when it, when it comes to accelerated programs. And you got in. Mm -hmm. How'd you do it? What, 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 what's the secret? <laughs> <laughs> so my, my Y Combinator story was a little different because when we, when we went through, um, I didn't know what Y Combinator was, right? And one of Michael Seibel, um, which is one of the partners there, um, he reached out, he said, you guys really should apply, you guys do something interesting. And I said, okay, I'll, I'll do it. And we, we you know, went through the whole application process, not really knowing what you need or don't need, we just did with what we had. And because during that time we had a lot, right? So we had most of, we had more than what our peers had, right? So we had a working product, we had customers, we had revenue, we had all those things. Just because when we built our company in the very beginning, we was building it for survival. We wasn't building it with the idea or, or, or that you know, investors gonna give us money to help this right. thing grow or, or become something, right? So we started from day one that we had to make it self-sufficient as quickly as possible on our own. Um, so by the time we did do the application, you know, application stood out a lot because we had a lot of what other applications did not have, right? Yeah. So, and then part of that was not just having, you know, you know, some of the basics, whether it's understanding your market and all that kind of stuff, but it was also having traction to be able to understand what you're doing, why you're doing it, why you're the best person to do it, what's the results you expect to get. So we had a lot of those insights because we had been doing it for a couple of years before then. Right. Um, so I think the best thing that you can do um, applying at any accelerator is just to really know your business. You really understand your product. You know, if you haven't built your product out, um, do whatever you can to be able to have um, realistic um, or at least a good understanding of what traction should look like, what your market should look like, what it's gonna take for you to get to your market. Just have a really good understanding of that because that really shows how well you know what you're doing. And no one's gonna know more than you in, in whatever lane that you're in, right? So they don't really know if you're right or wrong. The point is you just have to know that this is what I'm doing, this is why I'm doing it, this is what I expect to happen, and this is why you guys should care. And I think being able to tell that story very clearly is, is, is important. Man, that's so important. You, you, you driving gyms this yeah. entire conversation, and I wanna make sure y'all are, are listening, right? What you said, and it's so important, is that you all built the business from day one to be a business, right? You didn't, yeah. you didn't sort of build this and like, well, let's build this thing and get money so that we can then run it. You built it saying, we don't need investor dollars. Let's, let's build it in a way where we can generate revenue, we can get right. customers, we can get traction. And then if investors want to take this and help scale it up and accelerate it, great, right? right? Um, but that was so important for you all to be able to then go to a Y Combinator and you checked all the boxes of what they look for. Right. Um, it was an easy decision for them. So that, that's, that's, that's great advice. And, and, and as a result of that, it sounds like Y Combinator wasn't essential to your journey, right? Because you all were doing it. But I am curious, what, what was the, the benefit and the advantage that going through that program gave you all? Yeah, I mean, it, it taught me a lot about um, structure. And it taught me a lot about, you know, how to structure a company for scaling, mm. right? What did that should look like? It taught me a lot. Um, of how to leverage and use network because again my default sometimes is to stay in my own little circle and bubble and figure things out on my own but in going through that program it was really about expanding that and leveraging your peers and leveraging the relationship of your peers and leveraging the network because they're really big on leveraging the network right, right. Um, and so that was a big part of what I learned from that experience um, and then also being able to talk to someone or have access to someone that 
has, you know, seen 30 companies do exactly what you're trying to do and be able to learn from those 30 companies without you, you know, you having to go through those same learning curves, right? Yeah. So a big part of, you know, the benefit of Accelerate programs is just really shortening your learning curve, mm -hmm. which can mean everything because in business, you know, you're on borrowed time from day one, right? Yeah. So you start a business, right? So, you know, the more you can shorten your learning curve, the more, you know, probability you increase of success. Right. What was, what was your early team? Um, so, so when you started this company, who were, what was the team like in the early days? Yeah, so it was a handful of us. Myself, my co-founder Alfonso, um, we had our CTO um, and our designer. That was and it. how did you go about picking that early team? Like, was that a difficult thing or, you know? No, nah, I mean, it was in the beginning, you, <laughs> when you have an idea, you just, you want to fuck with anybody, want to fuck with you. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, like, that's you real. just, like, you, <laughs> that's real. You, you, like, if people, if you talk to somebody and you share your idea with them and, and they understand it and they, and, and they are supportive of it, you know, when you're starting the beginning, you don't really have anything, right? right. So it's, it's really people just really believing off the strength of you. They're believing in what you're able to accomplish and they're willing to give their time and work for free and, and, and put in those and make those sacrifices that's necessary to get something off the ground from zero to one. Um, you know, that becomes your early team, right? Yeah. So it was, for me, it wasn't this where I just was cherry picking who I thought the best people was. It was really just sharing my idea and talking to as many people as I could. Here's what I was trying to do. Here's what I'm trying to accomplish. And the people that connected and resonated most was like, okay, here, here's the value I can add to what you're doing. Here's gonna be supportive. And then you start formula, you know, formalizing a team around that. What would you say is your organizing, the, the organizing principle of your vision, right? So obviously with Pigeon Lee, it's clear what the mission of the company is and what, what the focus of the work is today. But if you were to zoom out from just Pigeon Lee and you think about that in conjunction with all the other um, entrepreneurial projects that you've done, and yeah. just your life in general, what is that sort of North Star of your vision? How do you want to impact this world? I think for me, um, if, I, if I look at the common, common theme and everything that I've done, it's always been around solving a problem, right? And I tend to, I tend to be attracted and, and look at, you know, the problems that most people aren't paying attention to. So I, I tend to look at, like, the problems that'll be unsexy, you know, right? I'm not really looking for the next thing that everyone else is talking about. Um, so for me, I think, I think that's the, the opportunity. I also think a lot of what, what I've done has always been, particularly when it comes to Pigeonly, is you know, how do you make poverty less expensive? You know what I'm yeah. saying? Because you know, poverty in a lot of ways is extremely expensive for, for, for basic things, right? And a and, you know, big part of what we do is, is, is really addresses that and, and handles that. And there's other companies and other companies out there that I know well that, that are doing the same thing. And I think there's a lot of opportunity that people just look, overlook mm -hmm. because they're not the sexiest thing. It's not the next buzzword type of company, yeah. but it addresses a real problem, a real need, and it creates a lot of value for people. Um, and so I think for me personally, like whenever I'm looking at something, I'm always looking at, you know, if there's a person that has a problem and if I can solve that problem, if I'm, and if I solve it well enough and you're willing to pay me for it and there's enough of you that have the same problem, then you probably have a good business there. Yeah. That, that's, that's real. Um, I did a talk yesterday and I, I told people that pretty much is focused on solving problems. So yeah. you echoed it. Uh, you got more credibility than me. So hopefully, <laughs> hopefully, hopefully that'll, that'll resonate uh, with people. And so with um, Pigeon Lee, how are you tracking your success, right? Like what are the KPIs that you all care about? What are the, what are the ways of impact that you all look at on a regular basis to know that the work you're doing mm -hmm. is actually impacting the world and how you want, want it to? 
Yeah, so, you know, part of our business, we're definitely an impact business, right? So although we're a for-profit company, you know, impact is built into the core of what we do. Um, and one of the big things that we look at is two things. Um, first is the amount of people we're able to connect, and then two, um, the ratio of the people that we connect that recidivate, right? So mm, okay. the idea is that the more we can keep you in touch with your support network on the outside, the people that's going to be able to give you the couch to sleep on when you get released or take you to that first job interview or help you get your driver's license and just all the basic things that you need that we was able to help you stay in touch with that you didn't lose touch with that person, that's going to be your support network when you release. Um, you know, you're less likely to ultimately re-offend, right? So um, those are the two things we look at, and um, that's how we measure how successful and how well we're doing, is the more people we can keep in touch, um, we can see in our data, the less people return, right? So those two things are always connected. Take your business further with the smart and flexible American Express Business Gold Card. It's packed with benefits to help unlock more value from your business purchases. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash businessgoldcard. AT&T Connects and Ode to Podcasts. Connect the alarm. Change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze. Ten more minutes to dream. Connect the shower. Lather up with the news, sports talk, comedians, or movie reviews. Connect with that three-hour philosophy show. Change the driving to work in traffic so slow. Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of spoken audio. Connect the stories, change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT&T. Danielle Moody here, host of the Woke AF Daily podcast. We've been with iHeart's Outspoken Network for a year, and what a year it has been. Every weekday, I navigate our rapidly changing world alongside our series of fabulous expert guests. As we head deeper into 2024 and yet another life-changing election cycle, Woke AF Daily is here to keep you sane and woke. Woke not just to the latest headlines, but also to the collective power we all have. Woke to the need to build community with those around us. Woke to how to avoid burnout and woke to the ways we can all find joy in the madness. Make Woke AF Daily with Danielle Moody your podcast destination for 2024 election news and analysis. And tune in to hear the ways I am working to stay grounded amidst it all. Listen to Woke AF Daily Season 5 on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Delve into the visceral world of hip-hop with the Gangster Chronicles. Podcast that aims to unravel the intricate tapestry of one of music's most influential and misunderstood subgenres, gangster rap. Hosted by MC8 and Big Steels every Thursday, each episode provides an in depth exploration into the formative artists, monumental albums, and socio political factors that have shaped gangster rap from its emergence in the 80s to its enduring impact today. Gangster Chronicles unpacks the evolution of this uniquely American art form. We dive into the socio cultural aspects that gangster rap boldly addressed from police brutality to systemic racism, offering listeners a comprehensive understanding of the profound cultural significance this genre holds. Listen to the Gangster Chronicles on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Let's go. Hi there, I'm Bob Pittman, Chairman and CEO of iHeartMedia. 
I'm excited to announce a new season of my podcast, Math and Magic, Stories from the Frontiers of Marketing. Our guests this season remind us to embrace change and fearlessly look toward the future. Like Andrew Jarecki, award-winning filmmaker and creator of Movie Phone. The studios didn't really control the theaters. The theaters didn't control the studios. And I thought, well, there's a window in here where I could make things easier for the consumer and also make something that would be very useful for the industry. Or Kellen Kenny, Chief Marketing and Growth Officer at AT&T, who installed fiber in customers' houses rather than leading from afar. It is so crucial that you spend time with the customers. That is the best lesson. In these exciting times, we're looking to the math, the strategy and analytics, and the magic, the creative spark more than ever. Listen to a brand new season of Math & Magic on our very own iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. In what, what are, I guess, like, how are you, talk to me a little bit more about the product and how you're cultivating mm-hmm. that community, how you're collecting that data. You know, what are some of the ways that you, you're infusing that in the product experience? Yeah, so one of the core things that we, that we built when we first started was um, an MA database, MA locator. So basically, it's a tool that can aggregate and organize all the um, criminal justice records to figure out who's in prison and where, um, because that's something that didn't exist. Wow. <clears throat> so, you know, states and counties and federal, they don't talk to each other, right? right. So Texas doesn't know what Florida's doing, Florida doesn't know what Michigan's doing, and so on and so forth. Um, and what that created was an issue where even attorneys would be looking for their loved one and, or not loved one, their client, and that's been moved around from facility to facility and they wouldn't know where that person is. Wow. Um, so when, when we started, you know, I knew that one of the pain points, just from my experience, is that, hey, you know, Fred, I know where you was at. Like, I wanted to write you, uh, but I couldn't mm-hmm. find you, right? So we started with that, right? So when we, once we built that, what that ended up creating was not only a tool that allowed our users and customers to be able to find out where their loved one is or client is or whoever they were trying to connect with was so they can connect with them. Um, it also gave us the data to be able to see who was coming in and out. Yeah. So we started to be able to draw the connection between the people that were staying in touch and had you know, strong connections on the outside. Those are people we didn't see can um, go back and the people who did not have those same connections those people that we say did. Um, so that's, that's what, so we didn't start out thinking that we was gonna do that, but it just turned into um, it just turned into like, you know, a core of our business is really around data, collecting data, organizing data, um, and then using the data to drive the products. Yeah, I mean, it's important, like you all follow the problem, yeah. right? And, and you've chased the solution and that's where it led you to. And, and you know, even here, you talking about it now is, is, is super powerful, just thinking that people who wanna stay in touch with mm-hmm. their loved ones or people on the inside who wanna have those connections things beyond their control, right. they get moved around, and then they may think, well, like, nobody cares. Right. <laughs> right? And right. people may right. be sending right. letters, right. and they're thinking, like, oh, like, I'm doing what yeah. I need to do. Yeah. And so it's just powerful for a simple problem, which is all these cities, states, like, all these different systems are not connected. Right. Um, and you already key, were able to key in on that. That's, uh, that's amazing. It's amazing work. What's next, right? What does the future hold for Pigeon Lee? What does the future hold for you? What are you thinking about short, mid, long term? Um, so we, we've, we've transitioned over, over the past couple of years. We've transitioned not only to be a consumer company, but we're also um, more government focused. So we do a lot um, um, with governments directly um, and doing a lot more as far as like, 
you know, um, influence and policy change when it comes to um, rules for either returning citizens or people while they're currently incarcerated. So that's a big part of what we're doing now. Um, and, you know, what the future I see is, you know, as far as, which I don't want to take too much time on it, but the industries within institutions are, really, are very profit driven. And the way the industry is set up is that the family members end up paying the bulk of that cost. Yeah. And it's because the mechanics of who gets a contract and who doesn't get a contract is driven by what the institution is going to get in the form of a kickback or revenue share, et cetera, right? So then it's a cost that's passed on. So then the long-term vision I see is a different business model that you know, leverages technology to bring all those costs down um, so that communication costs can be, you know, you don't think about what a phone call costs you, right? And that's, yeah. it should be like that everywhere, right? It right. shouldn't just be like that, you know, on, on the outside. So um, that's why I see the future of it is just, you know, updating and changing and leveraging technology to change those business models um, to remove that predatory component um, and then, you know, building something that's more equitable and scalable um, within that demographic and not only while you're in, but then also as you transition to the outside. So you're here at Afrotech. We got uh, over 12,000 people here, maybe close to 20,000 people in the city of Austin uh, that's a part of the broader activation. And, and many people here are aspiring entrepreneurs or they are professionals who are either looking to transition into tech or they are in, in tech and they're looking for their next job or they're looking to have an impact in some way. What do you, all, what do you need at Pigeon Me, right? Are you looking for talent? What are ways that the people, the Afrotech community can help and support you? Yeah, I mean, we're always looking for talent, um, you know, technical talent, um, sales talent. Um, those are always big, big, big areas um, where you always, you know, as we grow, I mean, we've we launched um, some government offerings that, you know, we basically doubled our tech team, right, dev team. Mm. So, you know, that's, that's always a big thing. Um, and then also sales, right? So, you know, it's a big country to cover, so yeah. it's yeah. a lot, a lot yeah. of meetings, and a lot of those meetings I'm on myself, and going from place to place, city to city, so um, yeah, so those are the big things, is that always, you know, either um, talent, and then also just, I think, in general, you know, support, if you, if, it, it's what, I think it's what, one in 10 people know someone that's incarcerated, or, or connected to someone's incarcerated, I think it's important just to reach out and just connect with your loved ones and don't, don't, don't forget them. Whether it's our platform or another platform, it doesn't matter. I think just that connection is, is a lot more meaningful than people realize. So I think it's really important to, to not forget, um, even if it's something, a postcard, or even if it's a phone, or, you know, getting a phone call or whatever it is, I think that's really important. It can make a significant impact, um, particularly in our communities more than others, right? right. So I think that's important. So, so y'all heard that, right? If, if y'all are looking for a job, Pigeon Lee needs, they, they need people. It's a lot of work, a lot of cool stuff on the horizon, so, so make sure you all check that out. Uh, I guess as we wrap up, how can people keep in touch with you? Where can they find you at, uh, either on socials or on the internet, or how can they learn more about Pigeon Lee and keep up with the work you all are doing? Yeah, I'm on Instagram, I'm on LinkedIn. Those are probably the easiest two, two places that I probably check the most. Cool. Yeah. All right, well, Frederick, uh, thank you so much for being here at Afrotech. Thank you. I enjoyed this conversation. Uh, I'm inspired, Jess. I knew a little bit, but now hearing you tell it, it's truly yeah. inspirational. So thank you for being here, man. Appreciate it. And, uh, thank you. Thank you. Thank you all for thank being you. a part thank of it. Black Tech Green Money is a production of Blavity Afrotech on the Black Effect Podcast Network and iHeartMedia. It's produced by Morgan DeBon and me, Will Lucas with additional production support by Sarah Ergen and Rose McLucas. Special thank you to Micah Davis and Vanessa Serrano. Learn more about my guests and other tech disruptors and innovators at afrotech.com. 
Enjoy your black tech green money. Leave us a five-star rating on iTunes. Go get your money. Peace and love. I'm Will Lucas, and this podcast, if you haven't heard, has been nominated for an NAACP Image Award, and I need your help. The NAACP has recently opened up the opportunity for the public, that means you, to weigh in and vote on this category. Head over to vote.naacpimageawards.net, scroll to the Outstanding News and Information Podcast category, and vote for Black Tech Green Money. It's not often that we see a podcast for us, by us, which highlights the stories of black innovators, technologists, venture capitalists, and angel investors, scientists, and engineers with this bigger spotlight. So I'm asking for you to take a moment of your day and vote for us. Do it now. Got my Prevna 20 shot. It's a pneumococcal pneumonia vaccine. For us, wise folks, it helps protect. I'm 19, strong. And asthmatic and at higher risk. Get vaccinated, but, but nothing when grandma speaks. Grandson listens. 19 or older with chronic conditions like asthma, diabetes, or chronic heart disease, or 65 plus, you may be at higher risk for pneumococcal pneumonia. Prevnar 20 can help protect you with just one dose. Prevnar 20 is approved for adults to help prevent infections from 20 strains of the bacteria that cause pneumococcal pneumonia. Continued approval may depend on a supportive study. Don't get Prevnar 20 if you've had a severe allergic reaction to the vaccine or its ingredients. Adults with weakened immune systems may have a lower response to the vaccine. Side effects include pain and swelling at the injection site, fatigue, headache, muscle, and joint pain. For full prescribing information, please call 1-855-213-2138 or visit Prevnar20.com. Ask your doctor or pharmacist about getting vaccinated with Prevnar20, even if you've already received another pneumococcal pneumonia vaccine. It's brand new, season two. I'm Marissa Thalberg. And I'm Stephen Wolf Bededa. And we're excited to be back having bigger, bolder, and always real conversations. Straight from the C-suite front lines of marketing, media, and more. We have great friends joining from people you may know, like Wilmer Valderrama and Bobby Burke. And people you'll want to know. So grab a coffee or, hey, even an Aperol Spritz and come join us on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Listen to brand new on the iHeart Radio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi there, I'm Bob Pittman, Chairman and CEO of iHeartMedia. I'm excited to announce a new season of my podcast, Math & Magic, Stories from the Frontiers of Marketing. Our guests this season show us big risk can yield big rewards, like Rob Riley, the creative head of one of the world's leading advertising firms. I try to create environments where anybody can say anything without any judgment. Listen to a brand new season of Math & Magic on our very own iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast or wherever you get your podcast. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of the On Purpose Podcast, and I had the opportunity to talk to one of Hollywood's major icons, Michael B. Jordan. In our conversation, Michael shares the highs, the lows, and everything in between, offering a genuine glimpse into his world. The closest to getting what you want is always the hardest. People give up right before they get what they've always wanted to get. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Every week on Talk Easy with Sam Fragoso, I invite an artist, writer, or politician to come to the table and speak from the heart in ways you probably haven't heard from them before. Some of my favorites are with Tom Hanks, Questlove, and Kate Blanchett. In recent weeks, I had talked to actor Dan Levy, director Ava DuVernay, and the editor of The New Yorker, David Remnick. You can listen to Talk Easy on the iHeartRadio app, 
Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.